0: Being mentally fit being physically fit means being able to dominate your environment. What does that mean, dominate your environment? People sometimes get spooked by words, non-politically correct words. Dominate. It's always such an aggressive word for people. Dominating your environment means that you are able to impose your will rather than having others impose their will on you. So that doesn't mean you're kicking people's asses. That doesn't mean you're kicking doors in. That doesn't mean you're being particularly aggressive. It just means... That you are living your life the way you want it lived, All in right. service to others, doing what you want to do by your rules, how you want to do it. You are dominating your environment. I you love dictate that. How your life unfolds. So, so what was that last part? You dictate how your life unfolds. Nobody else. That is. That's fantastic. I love that.
1: I mean, that's like that's basically my definition of success, which is simply living your life on your terms. It's a good right, definition. So, yeah. Well, it's the same thing, right? Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Dorris, and I wanna make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey guys, welcome back to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm your host, Chris Dorris, and we have um, a pretty cool, very interesting guest today. I'm looking forward to meeting him. I've only spoken with him just for a few minutes on a call prior to this setting this up. But before I get to that, introduce him, I I just had a thought. The only reason that we have this guest today is because someone that uh, follows Tough Talks, as well as The Daily Dose, um, Leah Ward. Leah, thank you for recommending uh, Robbie. I'm really, really looking forward to this interview. And so what I'm thinking is that you guys, if you have ideas on guests that you think, like if you know badasses in your world that you think would make a really cool tough talks guest, give me a shout out, man. Like let me know who they are uh, because I'd love to invite them. So appreciate that, Leah Ward. Thank you so much. All right, Robbie De Niro, Marine, served in the Marines, and now is the owner of. this gym. (laughs) I'm in in the gym. I'm in his gym. I hope he appreciates that. We stripped this. Yeah, he has no, but uh, we stripped this picture from his website. And um, uh, Robbie uh, owns and runs this gym up in Orchard Park, New York, which is where the Buffalo Bills play. And he is a diehard Buffalo fan, uh, a Bills fan. Also former rugby player. And I have a feeling, or, well, I'm going to try to get some good stories. Do people like this, I think, have a lot of good stories. So let's go get some of them, all right? I think this guy knows a lot about mental toughness. I'm pretty sure, without even having met him. All right, let's go find him. Where are you, Robbie? There he is, Mr. Robbie DeNaro. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you, Chris. Well. I really appreciate you making time today, man. Well, thanks for There's having some me. Stories thanks for asking. Peeps. Yeah, of course. So, so let's just jump in, man. I'm really interested I told folks in the intro you know, about you and, and uh, some about your history. This is the first time you and I have even really spoken, I've ever seen you live. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to hear more. My first question for you, Robbie, is where in life did you first learn anything about mental toughness or mental fitness?
0: Your question is where uh, first in my life did I learn about mental toughness or mental fitness? Yeah. That's your question. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, it's a complicated answer about honestly, my father, uh, my father was, everybody who I think holds their father in high regard. And mm-hmm. what I remember most about my father, <clears throat> I was able to you know, spend time with him for 35 years before he passed. He, that man never complained. I don't ever, really? I have not one single, I have not one single memory of him complaining, wow. I have no single memory of him showing pain. I mean, he felt pain. He wasn't a freak show. He wasn't in particularly great shape. He's you know first generation born here, and he was just a hardworking son of a bitch. Wow. He came up a rough way. He had to start working to support his family from a very young age. Um, he did whatever he needed to do to sort of, you know to put food on the table and support his family. And he just he didn't feel pain. He just he never he never showed he never showed that he felt pain. He just he powered through everything. I don't ever remember him quitting. I don't ever remember him not accomplishing something that he set his mind to. He just always found a way always. So that was the first place I, that's the first place I saw it, and it was, it, was, it was a little intimidating at times. He was not an intimidating man. He was not, uh, he was not a yeller or a screamer. He wasn't, he wasn't a tough guy, or he just but he, he, his ability to just kick ass in life was intimidating for a teenage boy.
1: <laughs> so, you, so you learned mental toughness then long
0: before you became a Marine. I, I didn't know it. Yes, that's where I first, that's where it was first shown to me. And I think that once I realized what my father was showing me, it did even more for me. But so the Marine Corps, I guess I was exposed to this incredible example of mental toughness, what mental toughness looked like without really knowing it. And then through rugby, through college, through the Marine Corps. Rugby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played okay. a lot of rugby. Yeah. Uh, through rugby, college, and the Marine Corps, I was, you know, I got some, especially in the Marine Corps, I got some formal experience with mental toughness, and I was able to look back on my time with my father and realize, oh my gosh, what, what incredible lessons this guy taught me. And I just didn't know it at the time.
1: Oh, wow. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know... In the, in the Marines, was um, in your training, were the terms mental fitness or mental toughness, were those used explicitly, or is it just embedded within the experience?
0: I think a little bit of both. You, we absolutely talk about, you know, we have our core values in the Marine Corps, honor, courage, and commitment. And you really can't talk about honor, courage, or commitment without talking about being mentally tough and and the mental attitude that you need to have in order to fulfill those core values and live those core values. Mm. Of course, it was taught in OCS as we, as we came through Officer Canada School, through the basic school, and then Infantry Officers course, particularly an Infantry Officers course. And it was something that I chose to really bring to my Marines. That was something that I really became fascinated with. I was not – I'm a pretty physically tough guy, and I'm fairly competitive still as an athlete uh, for a master's athlete. I'm you know, mildly competitive. Um, I, I was never a rock star athlete. I like that term, master's athlete. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm 48 years old, baby. I'm a master's, masters. I love oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. I, didn't, I didn't coin <laughs> that term. That's that's such a, I love
1: that's that term so much more than like senior. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or silver sneakers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are we are master's athletes. Yeah,
0: we're master's Yeah, Anybody <laughs> 35 and above is a master's athlete. I love that shit. That's
1: awesome. I'm totally using that. That's great. So you got a couple things going on. You got your gym, which I'm in. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, thank you for the invitation. You got it. And uh, and then you're doing some, some work in the corporate world, which we'll get to in a second. I'm very interested in hearing from you on that. Let, let's start with the first part, though. Uh, you know, on your website and then here on the wall.
0: Yeah.
1: You got some interesting language you're using, man. And I'd love to hear you elaborate upon some of this. So, so you have a really, really interesting definition um, of physical and mental fitness. Yes. Can you talk yes. about that? that show.
0: Being mentally fit yeah. Being physically fit means being able to dominate your environment. What does that mean? Dominate your environment. People sometimes get spooked by words, non-politically correct words. Dominate. It's always such an aggressive word for people. Dominating your environment means that you are able to impose your will rather than having others impose their will on you. So that doesn't mean you're kicking people's asses. That doesn't mean you're kicking doors in. That doesn't mean you're being particularly aggressive. It just means that you are living your life the way you want it lived, in service to others, doing what you want to do by your rules, how you want to do it. You are dominating your environment. I love that. You dictate how your life unfolds. What was that last part? You dictate how your life unfolds, nobody else.
1: That is, that's fantastic. I love that. I mean, that's like, that's basically my definition of success, which is simply living your life on your terms.
0: It's a good right? definition.
1: So, yeah. Well, it's the same thing, right? Yes, Being sir. able to walk into any environment and any environment and dominate it. Now, now talk to me about this. I think it says it right here. Making people hard, hard to kill. To
0: kill. <laughs> yes. Let's hear it, man. Again, that was, again the Marine Corps had such a monstrous influence on my life. I, I am a Marine through and through, though I am not uh, currently serving in the Marine Corps and I'm separated from the Marine Corps. I am a Marine through and through, and I will always be a Marine, and it has left this indelible mark on me. I, I identify myself first and foremost as a Marine. And they, uh, you know, the experiences in the Marine Corps and being surrounded by such incredible people was life-changing.
1: Mm. Imagine,
0: imagine when you show up to work, everybody that you work with, Has taken the same oath and they will put their lives on the line before, you know, put their life on the line in order to help you or help others. It's an incredible environment to be around. So you're surrounded by giants, you're surrounded by all these rock stars. And uh, it really influenced me. I, I realized that my job, as an infantry officer, particularly, my job was to train, prepare my men for war, lead them in battle, and then bring them back home. That's my job as an infantry officer. So I need to make these guys hard to kill and the harder they were to kill, the more effective I knew we would be in combat, the more effective I was at my job. So I started thinking about this concept of making people hard to kill and when I separated from the Marine Corps and decided to open this gym, I realized that nothing was going to change. Uh, Although these weren't Marines that I was training, my job in the civilian world was going to be to make people as tough, the toughest, most capable version of themselves possible and just make them freaking hard to kill. Because frankly, you know, the harder you are to kill, the, the, the more you can get done, the more, uh, the more useful you are to everybody. So when,
1: when people are, uh, say someone that that's relatively new, a client of yours coming to the gym to train with you, what happens if they start complaining about the level of difficulty of a, a particular exercise like burpees or whatever?
0: We do a full blown code red on. We take uh you soap code, code in, red, code red, we get a, a sock, fill it with soap, we put a blanket over and we start. <laughs> right. that's a good that's a good approach. A good. No. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> people Water don't cocaine. people don't complain in the gym. They they don't complain. There's I think there's a couple of reasons for that. People that reach out to me and want to train want to get to a place where they don't complain when they walk into this incredibly supportive environment where people just love the hell out of each other, because, you know, shared suffering breeds camaraderie. You can't help but. Let, let's slow low. that down.
1: Let's slow that down. Yeah. Cause I read, cause you have that also on your website. Yeah. Okay. Something Believe like it. that. Can you say that? Shared, shared suffering breeds camaraderie, shared suffering breeds camaraderie. I like that a lot. Yes.
0: It's the truth. You know, There's a that's reason. Really
1: interesting because when you, that's a, that's a paradox to me in that. So shared suffering, if, when it's shared, I guess it's still suffering, but it's not like this as I've, I've never heard that before. I, I really love that because when I think about suffering alone, there's a uniqueness to that that really truly sucks, right? Shared right. suffering, then you're like, well, I'm not alone and it takes a lot away from it. So you said it breeds
0: camaraderie. Yeah. I'd like to dive down into that a little bit. Yeah, because let's do it. Suffering alone doesn't mean that, shared suffering does not mean that you are, that your burdens are being lifted by someone else. Shared suffering means the suffering is, is distributed amongst everybody. It may not even be in the same amounts. It may be in different amounts because some people may push harder or some people may be capable of more.
1: Hmm.
0: But generally speaking, it's, it's doled out across the board and there's no have and have-nots. Suffering, when, you ha- when there are the haves and the have-nots, suffering creates division. When everybody suffers together, shared suffering brings everybody together.
1: You know what that's reminding me of? <clears throat> I sure didn't expect this to come up, but I have a, um, a friend of mine. His name is David Jack. He is also a trainer. He, he's out here in Arizona. And we were doing, we were co-facilitating an event one time for Apple. And we were up in Pebble Beach doing it. And it was the day before we started. And we were, we were out on a hike and we got back. And I was in, I mean, horrible physical condition. And at the end of the hike, I was, I was just fucking toast. I mean, I was like shaky, right? And a little nauseous. And, and I'm not kidding that uh, we we're back in my friend's condo. And he lives up this super steep hill. And I'm looking at this hill, like his driveway. And I'm just going, I can't even. And I asked him, I literally asked him to go get his car. And, and he was like, are you seriously, CD? Are you kidding me? I'm like, get your goddamn car. And then D- DJ, David Jack, who I didn't know before that day, total strangers. He comes over to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, goes, CD, I got you, man. And he goes, uh, and, th- and he's, uh, I mean, he's in like phenomenal, you know, obviously phenomenal physical condition. And um, and he had just at the end of the hike, he had sprinted up this steep stairwell, which is called the stairway to heaven, which it could just leads to nowhere. But it's just stairs. And after our hike, he sprinted that. And I thought he was showing off. He wasn't. He's just being his badass self. He comes over to me and he says, C.D., I got you, man. Uh, he goes, I'm going to handicap. I know where how you're feeling, dude. I know exactly where you're at right now. and I'm going to join you. And he says, so we're going to get up this hill together, but I'm going to handicap myself. I'm going ju- f- to get in your world. So I'm going to bear uh, crawl this backwards. Now, if, if whoever's listening to this, if you don't know what a bear crawl is, that's just hard as hell to do on all fours f- on flat damn surface.
0: Right.
1: Right. Nonetheless, backwards up a steep-ass hill. Right. So I- I'm thinking, you know, I don't know the guy. I don't get him. I don't get how he shows up because, but and how he shows up is exactly how you're describing, which is why I thought of this in the first place. Which is in, in service, and uh, and he calls it dedication, shared suffering. <clears throat> so I think he's being a show off jerk off, right? But then we start going up the hill, and I can see him instantly suffering, right? There you go. And I forgot about mine, dude. Game changer. This is years ago. I always tell this story. You just reminded me of it. It is a game changer. It's completely changed me, yeah. right? So what happened was, I see him suffering, I get out of my own, and I'm starting to cheer him on, dude. Right. I'm like, come on, and I don't even know the guy. I'm like, come right. on, DJ, you got this. And he's right. spitting and sweating and struggling, I forget about my own deal, next thing I know, right. we're at the top of the hill hugging it out.
0: So you got, when you were at the bottom of the hill, you were doing what's called cocooning. You were thinking inward, you were thinking of your own suffering. We have to prevent people from cocooning. And the way you do that, shared suffering helps that. You focus. If you worry less about your own performance and less about how you're doing and more about the performance of your athletes or your Marines or your friends or your family, and you worry about others, uh, you seem to suffer a hell of a lot less when you focus on how other people are doing.
1: That's so fascinating to me. That is such a profound, like you said, game-changing event for me. It's a life-altering event for me because um, I actually completely forgot about my own suffering. Right. So when I was cocooning, I was like totally shitty. I was uh, completely whiny. I was weakening myself. Like, right. where was the strength? I got up the damn hill fine, but prior to that, I was convinced I
0: couldn't. Right. Right. I was. It, yeah. Yeah. Jean Jacques Rousseau, seventeenth century uh, philosopher, nailed it. I, this is my my single. I think the single most profound statement anybody's ever made on the mind body connection. And, you know, it's, it's real simple. The stronger the body, the more commands. I'm sorry, the weaker the body, the more it commands. The stronger the, the stronger the body, the more it obeys. The weaker the body, the more it commands.
1: Well, I think you could the say that's the same the thing for the, for the mind as well. I'm sorry? Well, I think you could say this the same exact thing for the mind. You could simply re, like exchange the word mind and body in there. It's still Absolutely. equally true.
0: That's what he implies with that statement.
1: Okay, Roger that. So what, do you, what are some things that you do to continually strengthen your mind?
0: So, I, I was looking forward to this part of our conversation. I know you said you wanted some specific things, and there are so many great discussions on mental toughness. We come back to a lot of the same things. Well, a lot of it is, in the, a lot of it is esoteric or in the untouchable, the realm of – well, this is what you should do. You should be kinder to yourself. You should be more accepting. Focus on somebody else. Uh, think about these things. Don't let yourself quit. Tell yourself, give yourself self-love, self-care. Tell yourself you can do it. Meditate. There's all sorts of this crap that you can do that everyone talks about. If, and if people were doing it, well, then everybody would be mentally tough. You know, hey, just, well, just don't quit. You know, that's what you got to do. If you want to be mentally tough, teach yourself not to quit. I've got, I've got three ways. No kidding. Three. Oh, No kidding, three things people can do. The two the two first ones, some people may give it a shot. So they're outlandish. Um, it's not for everybody. But the third one is for is is probably even harder, but everybody can do it. The first one, I'm not kidding. Uh you need to do something that that almost kills you. Hmm. I'm not talking about running a marathon. You know, running a marathon isn't gonna get people mentally tough. Now, before everybody calls in and 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 tells us we're crazy for saying that. People that run marathons are mentally tough. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is <laughs> there are lots of incredibly mentally tough people that marathon, that do marathons. Marathon running is not a good way for most people that are trying to achieve mental toughness to develop mental toughness. And the reason I say this, how many obese people have you seen on a marathon? The countless, like I can't tell you how many times you see somebody that's 200 pounds overweight waddle across the marathon in six hours and say, Hey, I did it. I ran a marathon. And all they did was just give themselves another excuse as to why, they, why they're doing everything they possibly do to become mentally tough and lose weight and all that stuff, but they just can't seem to do it. They, they must have problems that nobody can solve. So running a marathon, waddling across the finish line in six hours, isn't almost killing yourself. If you are capable of doing it like a, uh, like one of those studs does it and, and keep a, keep a five-minute mile and finish in two hours and seven minutes or two hours and ten minutes, hey, get it. An ultra-marathon. Now, that's something that builds mental toughness, an ultra marathon, Or some of those maniacs that decide, hey, they're going to run 10 marathons in 10 days. That will almost kill you. An ultra marathon will almost kill you. You must do something that almost kills you and brings you to that point of near death in order to develop mental toughness. Because what will happen with that, there will be a lot of imprinting involved. The choices that you made, particularly in things that lasted for a long time, like these ultramarathons, we running 10 marathons in 10 days. Um, or I, I, I built a wall. I broke up, a, uh, I broke up about 40, 40 tons of Lockport Dolo stone. It's like granite. Broke up about 40 tons of stone by hand with a sledgehammer. Picked them up in manageable chunks and built, a, built like a 120, 150-foot wall in front of my parents' house. That took two summers. That, that almost killed me. So doing something like that will help you because as you go through the emotional strain imprinting occurs and as long as you are choosing to put one foot in front of the other or swing the hammer again and go and go and go and keep going the the imprinting that's occurring is pot, like the the tough decision that you're making is resulting in positive gain and that's very important because when we are emotionally when we tap into our our primordial brain our animal brain where emotions occur we get this emotional imprinting and if you can spend enough time emotionally imprinting, making tough choices, you start to learn—literally learn—that those are the choices that help you out. But it's not—you know how I say—not many people are going to do that because how realistic is it for somebody to run an ultra marathon or to do something that almost kills them to get into a gunfight or you know what I mean? It's just not realistic. But that you, you can develop some real mental toughness there. Measure that. Right on. The, sec- the, second? the, the second one: the willful endurance of pain. Again, that's not going to be for everybody because pain and pleasure is so closely now, are you re-
1: talking specifically physical pain.
0: Yeah. And I'm not talking about being a like a masochist and like inflicting pain on yourself But <clears throat> an opportunity presents itself to just grit your teeth and bear it, grit your teeth and bear it. I, I'll give you some examples. Uh, like I knew, I realized my father was just, unbelievably tough. I just couldn't believe how tough he was. He never, ever showed pain. I knew he felt it. He just never showed pain. And I started to put two and two together that part of his ability to get things done, part of his mental toughness was created in his ability to endure pain, how he taught himself to just not complain and endure it. So I was in a motorcycle accident, pretty, a pretty bad one, in uh, July 2nd of 1992. And I was up on, I was in t-shirt and shorts up on the uh, skyway. And anyway, I hit a concrete wall. So I had all sorts of avulsions down this side of my body. And they brought me into the emergency room and they've got to clean the wounds out. You know, I've got to get all the gravel and stuff out. And I just, I asked for no, I said, no Novocaine, no antiseptic. I just, I just want to feel it. And I convinced the nurses back. This was a different era. You know, this is 92. I still had a tin of tobacco in my, in my pocket. And I was like, please just reach into my pocket i just need you to put some put some dip into my lip for me <laughs> so the nurse were like holding my lip over and to put it in and uh she like gives me a spitter to tuck into my arm and then they went to work scrubbing away uh scrubbing all the dirt out and that was that was a life changing experience too again because of the i, I didn't understand it first i just knew my i just knew my father never showed pain so i knew i had to go through some crazy experience that brought me to the edge. What I've come to learn to find out is, you know, the very close similarities of pleasure and pain. There's a really cool study that was done where they hooked up some patients, men and women, to a bunch of um, machines to measure their um, hormone levels in their blood, infrared imaging to see where their hot spots were, Uh, heart rate monitor, EKG, they, they had them all hooked up. And they had another group of people hooked up to the same thing. One group, Got pleasure. They were asked to bring themselves to orgasm. The other group had pain applied, so they had electric shock applied to them. Uh-huh. And when they went through and checked out all the results of the study, when without knowing which group was getting shocked and which group achieved orgasm, the EKG looked the same, the hormone levels in the blood looked the same, hot spots, temperatures all looked the same. Nobody could really tell who was getting pleasure, who was getting pain. Wow, Our body reacts so similarly. To pleasure and pain it's really it's our brain that tells us how to receive it
1: holy shit that's fascinating I yeah it was really that. really
0: interesting that is really
1: so, damn interesting
0: I, you know, i'm not a scientist i'm just putting two and two together i'm in this very heightened emotional state and i am choosing to accept it i'm choosing to say yes rather than to say no and it it just teaches you to that's huge it just teaches you to make hard decisions.
1: Let's slow that down for a second because I feel like that's a, that's a, a mic drop moment right there. <clears throat> Choosing to say yes instead of yeah. no. Right? Right. Yeah. right. So that's fascinating. <laughs> that is really fascinating. Uh, I recently stumbled upon a video on YouTube of a PGA tour player named Gary Woodland here at the Phoenix Open last year, uh, during like one of the days before the tournament starts, <clears throat> they had a special Olympics uh, prize winner. Her name is Amy. I can't remember her last name. but Anyway, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, the link, because it's fascinating. Young lady with Down syndrome, and she won this prize. So she gets to play the 16th hole with, with, with her, her, her hero from the yeah. world of golf. She's a golfer. Gary Woodland. And the 16th hole at the Phoenix Open is insanity. It's the state, okay. it's surrounded by stands. Okay. And it's all these, you know, partying wild people screaming. So for a lot of people, that is like the most intimidating golf hole on the planet earth. And because there's all these crazy drunks screaming, sure. like, booing and shit. <clears throat> It's a, like a two and a half minute video of her playing this hole with Gary Woodland. And all she said was yes. She said yes. She said a few things. She said, yes, awesome. And I got this. That's all she said yep. the whole time. She made a goddamn par. She parred the freaking hole. She's <laughs> that's like, that's great. 13 years old. And yeah, it's good to go. And she made it out of the sand. So she hits her tee her shot into the sand. And, and then Gary's like, you know, do you, you want to play this? And she's like, like, yes. Everything's yes. Yes. I counted it. She said yes 33 times.
0: All right. Think about how many more opportunities we'd have in our life if we just learned to say yes.
1: Ah, I couldn't love that more, man. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's a habit. Let's, let's have that be a takeaway for people. Let's get in the habit of saying yes. Yes. Like when we're struggling. So... Um, yeah, I love that so much. Like, when I'm putting in, in golf, I say yes. As I'm, I just say yes to myself, staying over the ball, you know. And uh, and I like to replace my complaints with the with just the word yes. I love that. Good. Yeah. So, what was the, what's the third one? The so third one, kind of, yeah. The first one, do something that almost kills you. Second one, willful endurance of pain. Yeah. So, wait, let's, let's not jump to the third one yet because I don't okay. think we're done with the willful endurance of pain because I love that. So, um so, you, so with that research study, so the experience, the physiological experience of pain and pleasure are almost identical, at least right on the physiological. Right. So the difference is in the brain or in the mind, right, or in the interpretation right. of it. Right? right. So we're going no, and now, the, and this is suffering.
0: I, I'm sorry. Hi, hi, hey, boy, what's, what's up, up, boys? Hey guys. Hi guys, what's up, pal? What's up? So let me finish this call, okay? I love it. Guests, hey guys, <laughs> say hello. Hi. Hi. Right. It's this gentleman's. Do we're doing an interview? Is that from the old yeah, that's the old gym. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm in the old gym. <laughs> you set that door. Thanks, buddy. I love you.
1: That's, that's that is pretty cute. So this is actually. I thought I was being really brilliant by going to your website and capturing this um, image, and it's actually your old gym. So I'm I'm is over it? here. I thought I was going to see you in here, but you don't you're not here anymore.
0: You're like, so those are your, two of your boys? Two, two of my four kids. Yeah, my two youngest. The the kids, Rex hair? and Rocco. I'm sorry? Do they all have red hair? No, no, no. Those, those two, Victor has some red hair and then Olive has really bright red hair. She's got really fiery red hair.
1: Right on. So um, when I go to the dentist <clears throat> and I'm having some like real work done. <laughs> there you go, baby. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking training for me, dude.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I you, gotta be, you gotta be judicious about it. I mean, you know, he's yeah, like... Take the Novocaine,
1: okay? I'm not like, no. I'm not having him drill down my damn... I, 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 yeah, I want to deal with that shit.
0: Right. <laughs> but when I get stitches, I, you know, I've gotten stitches. I, I, I asked the doc, hey, listen, let's go without the Novocaine. I just want to, I want to feel, it's like a tune-up. It's a tune-up and for I mental still, health. So no, I, I can I, That's mean, where I, I, I say, say. It's not, That's not for everybody.
1: say there's some people listening to this going, that's just some crazy bullshit right there. <clears throat> right.
0: Right? And I get it. I get it. Not everybody's going to say, okay, hey doc, stitch up my hand without, without the freaking, without the, you yeah. get it. It's not practical for everybody, but there's some real value to it. You can survive. You, you realize pain is not a stopper. Pain yeah, yeah. Tell me is me why not, this
1: is not masochism because that like, I'm going to just play devil. I hear you, man. I, sure. I, <clears throat> I like this because it, it's mind over body stuff. It's like, you know, what I love, the whole reason I'm even in this damn field in the first place is about potential, man. It's about yes. like what else are we fucking capable yes. of. And, and what are we, like, let's just explore some of that. You know, because how, how much cooler can life be? That right. we understand, like understand, right? That, like, how much more are we capable of? And when we start to experience some of that, how much cooler is life? How much more fun is it? How much more exciting is it? How much easier is it? How much less suffering is it? So, this is interesting. There's a paradox here. So, like, people would say, that fucking guy is sick, man. That's some masochistic shit right there. But, but why
0: isn't it that? Because let's use the example of getting stitches on my finger. Yes. Yeah. There's a difference between injury and being hurt. Being injured requires medical attention and is a legitimate reason to stop. Okay. Hurting is not a reason to stop. Hurting is an excuse that I'm so tired of seeing from people. Oh, it hurts. Well, suck it up. I don't give a shit. Keep going. Are you injured? Then shut up. Keep moving. So to give you that example, what the difference is, the injury stopped me and I had to go to the doctor. The stitches didn't. So I'm not taking the Novocaine because I'm reminding myself pain isn't the problem. The injury is. Whoa. This is so good. Pain is not the problem. The injury is. So fix the injury. Ignore the pain. And that it, it really, that's, a ment- that's mentally, too, more importantly, that's just, a, that's, that's just really a metaphor for the mental side of it. But this is where the, the first point ties into this, because there's so much mental pain that people go through that stops them. It really shouldn't. They're tired. You know, they're mentally exhausted. They're fragged out. Hey, I get it. Suck it the hell up. It's not the end of the world. You're not the no. first person to be tired, when and you're that, not going to be the last person to be tired.
1: When you say suck it up... <clears throat> Is there, do you ever get into teaching? Like if somebody ever said to you, all right, all right, all right. I get it. I want to, I want to do that. I want to suck it up. How?
0: Yeah. Do it again. Stop talking. Do it again. Do it. Do X. And when they say they can't, okay, why can't you? Why can't you? Can you physically not do it? Are you broken or do you just not want to do it? Is it, are you listening to pain because your legs are sore or your brain is tired or you want to take a nap?
1: Don't listen to pain.
0: There's a big difference between pain and being oh, injured. Pain man, this being, is good. Being injury, injury I, I never ask my athletes to push through an injury. I am, yeah. I am acutely aware of, of working around injuries and keeping uh-huh. people in the fight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but, but pain, on the other hand. So this is incredible because <clears throat> what you're describing is, is, is um, I'm hearing it as simply choosing, and this is really the, the foundation of mental toughness is choosing to uh, reinterpret pain. Stopping seeing nah. it as a problem, and, right. right? Just ha- stopping having it be bad. Right. It just is, right? Like neutralizing, it. go, yeah, I'm in pain, yeah. All right, let's go next. Right. We've learned, this is really interesting. We've learned that pain is bad.
0: We've been taught that pain is bad. Pain is yeah. just pain. Pain is neither good nor bad. Pain is your body giving you some information. You decide what to do with that information. Oh, I'm in pain. Okay, let me check. Am I injured? Ooh, I am. Holy smokes, I've filleted open my brachial artery. I need to freaking get that fixed or I'm not going to be much longer for this world. Or, oh, I just had some road rash. Hey, I can apply some pressure and move on. Or pain is, oh, my head, my, my brain is just aching. I've been awake for freaking 24 hours working on this. Well, let's see. Do I have to drive right now? Uh, do I have to operate heavy machinery? No? Okay, well, then I can keep pushing on
1: so this is a real takeaway this 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 is a definitely a, a concrete nugget of value which is reinterpret pain pain is not a problem right you said pain pain is a no problem the
0: injury is the problem yeah the problem is the problem pain is never the problem <laughs> right. well, So often doctors treat pain instead of treating you know they treat pain rather than treating the injury and i'm not slamming doctors i'm just saying it's you know very often people complain of pain so okay well what's they don't really look at the what yeah,
1: you right. to Give you some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So, um, Pain
1: killers, right? Painkillers,
0: right? You know, my, my definition of mental toughness is doing what needs to be done regardless of the conditions and the circumstances. That's that's how I define mental toughness. You know, everybody's got oh, their wow. definitions. For me, it's doing what needs to be done regardless of the circumstances. That's that's being mentally tough to me. So that, and that's why I give these people, that's why I like to give people three, three specific things to work on to improve their mental toughness. What was the third one? The third one is super easy for everybody can, everybody can do this. If you want to get mentally tough 30 days, you'll see a difference. Take ice cold showers. Huh? And here's what I'm talking about. I don't mean like get in the shower, with it warm and slowly turn it cold. I mean, turn that son of a bitch on cold. Let it get nice and cold. Step into the shower. Step under it and don't come out of the shower. Let it rain down on you. Do that every day. Every day for 30 freaking days. Do it for 30 days. You will see a change in your thinking. What'll happen is you mean like actually
1: time, <clears throat> you mean like actually have that be your shower with shampoo and soap? Oh, yeah. Like just, get under there,
0: shower. That's what I do. I shower, shampoo. Ice-cold water, like in the wintertime, the water in here is 36 degrees. I get under that freaking thing, and it's like getting punched in the gut. It takes the breath out of you. Fellas, you're going to feel your nuts get sucked up into your body after a while. No kidding, your scalp starts to hurt. That water is so freaking cold. Your scalp starts to hurt. Um, You're cramping. You're getting cramps into the body. It is really a, a traumatic experience to jump into cold water like that. If anybody's ever done ice breaking drills, like I've done ice breaking drills to submerge yourself under under ice, it is traumatic. So to do that in a shower the first time and then the next day willingly do it again, knowing what you're about to subject yourself to
1: Uh
0: and every day doing that again, knowing that nobody will know if you don't do it. There's not a soul that would ever know if you decided to scam out and not do it. Nobody will know if you'll turn that water warm. Only you will know if you can get yourself to just commit to doing it. What happens is, again, all day you're thinking about it. All morning you're thinking about it. That's that emotional imprinting we're talking about. And you say yes. When you get out of that shower, it is unbelievable. The moment you turn that shower off, you get warm. You feel your body come back, and you feel accomplished. You just did it. So now you've got this massive emotional imprinting for 30 days, of being faced with a really tough decision, there's apprehension, you don't want to do it, you say yes, you get the rush of, of adrenaline and dopamine after the shower comes off because you did it, you're rewarded and you imprint in your brain small tough decisions equal reward. And that's where big decisions come from. If you want to get good at making tough big decisions, it starts with the little decisions. 30 days of taking cold showers, people will see a change. Fact of it. Let's talk
1: about uh, Unleashed Academy, right? The corporate leadership stuff that you do. Tell me about yes. the phrase. What does the phrase lead from the front mean?
0: I want to explain that to you. I want to let you know I just changed the name of that okay. to Robbie De Niro Leadership Co- Coaching, just so you know. I am, so it's um, not
1: Unleashed Academy?
0: It is not. It's, it's Robbie De Niro Leadership Coaching. We just, we just changed the name.
1: Robbie De Niro Leadership Coaching. De Niro or De Niro?
0: De Niro. D-I-N-E-R-O.
1: Yeah, The. Uh, okay narrow okay leadership all right gotcha Roger that so lead from the front
0: leading from the front uh, you know a leader has five types of power you've got and I won't waste time going through in depth all of them but you've got reward power you know the power that a leader wields because they can dole out rewards the corollary that has is punishment power the power that somebody leads because people are fearful of getting punished legitimate power the power a leader wields because you know they've got They've got good dudes following them, and they're like, yeah, he's the boss. We're going to listen to the boss because that's what we do. That's called legitimate power. Those three aren't very effective. The last two forms of power the leader has are expert power and referent power. Expert power is the power that a leader has because they are the recognized expert in something, and they're the expert because they've done it. They've been doing it for a very long time. Referent power is the power they wield because they have a shared experience with all of those that they're leading. The people they lead looks at their leader and says, yeah, he's been here. He's walked in my shoes. He used to mow the same lawn I used to mow. He used to make the same sales calls I used to make. He built the same widgets that I built. He understands what I'm going through. So expert power and referent power are the two most powerful types the leader can wield, and that happens when you lead from the front. That means you must lead the way. You have to be out in front showing your guys this is how it's done, and I feel for you. I know what you're going through. So I'm not talking about doing their job. I'm just talking about, in a nutshell, making sure they know that you're willing to do everything that they do, and you will never, ever, ever ask them to do something you haven't done or aren't willing to do again tomorrow.
1: Word. What does it mean to move to the
0: sound of guns? Okay. What does it mean to move to the sound of the guns? The single most important thing a leader can do is clear the way for their people. There's always friction. There's always friction when you're trying to accomplish the mission. Nothing. Can I say
1: that again? That's, that's really fascinating. The single most important thing a
0: leader can do is clear the way, clear the way for their, for their men and women to, to accomplish the mission. I'm not the guy that accomplishes the mission anymore. Like I, if I started a company, you know, or if I started out, as a widget maker i went to school to learn how to make widgets and then i become a really good widget maker and i actually build the widgets and then i advance and i start to design the widgets and then i start my own company i'm going to start making widgets cuz i've got lots of experience i'm no longer the widget maker i may know how to design them i may know how to build them but that's not my damn job anymore i'm hiring people to do that it's my job to run to run the company and the most important thing i can do if i want to run a company as a leader is make sure my my men and women, can do their job and accomplish their mission. You're no longer the widget maker. You have to move to the sound of the guns. Where the guns are is where most people want to leave, want to flee from. You know, that's where the friction is. That's where all the chaos is. Where the guns are, most people run from gunfire because that's where the problems are occurring. Leaders must go to where the problems are occurring so that they can solve the problem. So their widget makers can keep making widgets.
1: Oh, so it's so it's
0: actually moved toward the sound. Yeah. Move to the sound. Yeah, move toward the sound of the guns.
1: Gotcha. I was misinterpreting that. I'm,
0: I, I, I understand what you mean. Like, is that like a rhythm, move to the sound of yeah, the Yeah, like,
1: like dance. dance.
0: <laughs> well, that's important feedback. i got to change that. That's important feedback for me. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, man. Word. Feedback. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. So, yeah, so it's move
0: towards. Yes, move towards the sound Dude, of the Dude, that's
1: depth. actually one of my favorite mantras in, in life is, is just that move towards, move towards. Because Amen. moving towards activate, There's a phrase... That I learned from Deepak Chopra, which is inherent within your desires are the mechanics for their own fulfillment. I like to dump shit down. And so I translate that into the how is in the what. Meaning, there you go. Meaning, you, you, so you already get that shit. So it's like the how is in, already inside the what. So it's, what does that mean? It means the what's the thing that you want. Well, how am I going to get it? Well, it's, it's already in there. Just move towards. Right. Love it. Move towards the sound of the guns.
0: Yes. Move Particularly... If you think about it, when you hear gunfire, what do most people do? Duck and go the other way. Right. Leaders move toward it.
1: But that, you know, so do you think that that's like, um, is that like a genetic thing? Is that a trait? Or is that learned or both? Like the ability, right, to move towards what most people consider to be danger and retreat from.
0: It is absolutely learned. Mm Mm-hmm definitely learned, and in organization, the command leadership, the command climate of the organization makes it easier to teach people because if one of your core values, if, 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 the, if one of the core values of the organization places great weight on being a problem solver and moving towards the sound of the guns, being courageous, then more people are going to be inclined to do it. And so it's, it's definitely learned. You know, in the Marine Corps, that's what the Marine Corps does. Courage, courage is, you know, I, I'm sure there are a billion definitions of courage. Here's what I call courage. Real simple. Yeah. Action, taking, taking action in the face of fear. Action in the face of fear is courage. Everybody is scared. Only sociopaths are not scared. And anybody that says they're not scared is not a sociopath. Is full of shit. Everybody has fear when there's gunfire. Everybody has fear. Yeah. That's normal. yeah but courage is action in fear in the face of fear. And that is definitely learned it. Oh man. How do
1: you practice that. Like what, how does someone practice that? Like somebody that's like, you know, not a Marine. Okay. It's just a you know, typical average Joe living a typical life. How do you
0: practice that? Little things always, always start small, crawl, walk, run. There's so much to be learned from exercise, finishing your exercises, finishing, like working to the bell, not stopping early, creating what I call the habit of completion. Always work towards the bell. Stay on your feet after the bell rings, breathe through your nose, practice calming yourself immediately after the workout instead of collapsing like you just got shot in the face. Working on little things like that puts you in a position where you're always aware feeling in control, ready to dominate your environment.
1: Dude, that is brilliant. All little things. But you know what? That's a perfect way to wrap it up. This has been phenomenal, man.
0: Good. Go yeah,
1: you're a wizard, dude. I'm really glad uh, to have connected with you.
0: I'm happy that Leah was able to connect us. Yeah, Leah
1: Ward. Great. Thank you, Leah Ward. I know you'll be watching this. So thank you, Leah Ward, for the connection. That was a big yeah, I appreciate uh, this. score there.
0: So, you got, yeah. a lot of, uh, you got a lot of insight to share with people, Chris. You really, uh, I really like the way you communicate. I really love your insightful way and how you're able to extrapolate information. It's really been a pleasure. You're, uh, wow,
1: that's, wow. Lucky to have met you. Thank you, brother. Where do people go? So, this is, you know, this is, it, it um, doubles down as a video blog, but also we strip out the audio and, and send it out to all the podcast platforms. So, so there's, uh, people are listening to this and not seeing it. So, For those that won't be able to see any of the show notes, could you just tell them where should they go to find you?
0: I'm in Orchard Park, New York on California road, uh, 3646 California road. So that's the gym. Now what about online? Online. It's simple. Theunleashed.us. Theunleashed.us.
1: Theunleashed.us.
0: That's right. You'll find both Robbie De Niro Leadership Coaching and Athletes Unleash the gym at the same place. They're both
1: there. I've seen that. Yeah, right on. Good deal. Brother, thanks so much, man.
0: Thank you, Chris. Best of luck to you. I look forward to hearing some of your podcasts.
1: Right on. Thanks, man.
0: Thank
1: you. Wow. 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 That dude's amazing. I love that guy. Robbie De Niro. Man, how fun was that? I could listen to that cat forever. Man, what, just what a neat dude. So There's so many takeaways. I have look all the notes that I took. They're in the two pages full of notes. I hope you got out of that. I, I find myself saying this often after these Tough Talks interviews, and I'd love that. But I, I I swear I mean it. Like, I hope that you got out of that as much as I did. Injury versus hurt, shared suffering breeds camaraderie. Then there's three things like on how to develop mental toughness. This is so cool. This is, why do some, this is a little hardcore, but I love it. Do something that almost kills you. The practice, the willful endurance of pain, and take a month full of ice cold goddamn showers. <laughs> That's brilliant. Good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, hey, look. If you're not, if you're seeing this or hearing this, and you're not on my list, change that. All right. ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists. You know, I have the Daily Doses one list. One thing that goes out every morning, 6 a.m. your local time. <clears throat> uh, the Daily Dose, mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less, delivered straight to your inbox. That's one list. The other list is this, is the Tough Talks and my blogs, which go out twice a week. So uh, you can get on both, well, name, email, one click, ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists. All right, folks, till next time, create miracles. <laughs>